Well, one of my most vivid memories as a child was a weekend hunting trip with my dad. And uh, we went for a weekend camping trip with some of his hunting buddies. And uh, we spent the night on Friday night. And Saturday morning, we got up early, early, too early. And we walked out, we hiked out to uh, the three trees that my dad had scouted for my brother, myself, and my dad to sit at. It was still dark when we got there. It was cold and we were bundled up. My dad taught me to be so still and make no noise because that would scare off the deer. And so I was trying my best to be still. I was excited for the day, hopeful that we would shoot a deer. And I began to feel sick somewhere around the time the sun began to come up. And I thought for a moment that I should tell my dad, and I just kind of kept it to myself. I was like, I'm just not feeling good, but I didn't want to tell him because I didn't want to ruin the trip. And I was trying to, to suck it up and be a man. And as the morning grew longer, uh, the more sick I became. And it got to a point where I felt like I was literally going to vomit. And so I told my dad, I was like, Dad, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I'm sick, like, like I'm about to puke. And so my dad grabs me and he throws me across his lap and he begins to just hold me and and there in my dad's lap I began to puke just on the ground beside him great hunting partner I was and about the time that I started puking we heard a couple of gunshots over in the distance and we looked up and here from the distance coming toward us is this deer with antlers and my dad being the hunter that he was, and being the great father that he was, says to me, son, stay down, don't get up. And he reaches and he grabs his rifle, and over the top of me, <laughs> apparently someone had missed this deer, and this deer in full sprint, my dad shoots with one shot, and I saw this deer running, and I saw this deer hit and roll, and my dad puts his rifle back against the tree and starts tending to me again. And I don't know what happened, like I'm no scientist, I'm, I'm no doctor, I don't know, but all I know is in one moment, I was extremely sick and I was vomiting, and in the next moment, as my dad shot a deer, I wasn't sick anymore. I don't know what changed, I can't describe it, but all I know is there was such an excitement in me to go and see that deer that I wasn't sick anymore. It cured me. See, in an instant, my reality went from being sick as a dog to being more excited that I had been possibly in my lifetime to go and see this deer. Have you ever had moments like that that just completely change the course of your day? Completely change the outcome of a situation or a circumstance? Like when I was on the, the 10 and under, 9 and 10 year olds playing all-star basketball, and we were in the district tournament at Habersham Central High School, and we got beat in the district tournament, and I was devastated a group of nine and 10 year old boys, nine of us left in tears. I mean, you'd have thought the world ended. And then the next day we got a phone call and I won't, for, I won't forget the phone call that said, guys, I know we lost, but because our city, Tacoa, Georgia, where I grew up, there's a college there, Tacoa Falls College, and Tacoa Falls College was hosting the state tournament. And I don't agree with this rule to this day. I think it's lame. But for whatever reason, since we were hosting, we got an automatic bid to the state tournament. So we went from utter defeat to hopeful that we could play. 
And in four games there at Toccoa Falls College, we won a state championship. A group of nine and ten-year-old boys that had once been so defeated that we were in tears were now on the shoulders of moms and dads celebrating the biggest day of our lives. You've had moments like this, right, where, where life just seems to be falling apart all around you. And just something in an instant can change things, can change the, the situation or the circumstances. I remember falling in love with a young lady and thought I would spend my life with her. Had plans for marriage, was, was ring shopping. And we like to try to put excuses around it, but the truth is she just dumped me. She broke my heart. I didn't know how I could go on. It's silly to say that, I know, but sometimes our hearts just get broken. But I can tell you the day that I saw my current wife walking down the center aisle of that church we got married in, I, I wasn't thinking about that girl, and I wasn't thinking about that time in my life where I was at my low, where I felt like I couldn't go on, where I just wanted to lay in bed and think about it, because in that moment, I experienced something that changed the defeated mentality that I have. That's what Easter is all about. I don't know if you know the story of Easter, but Easter is all about a man named Jesus who loved you and loved me enough to change our circumstances so that we could live life outside of the realm of defeat in the realm of victory. Here's the story of Easter. If you don't know the story of Easter, maybe you're not familiar with the church. Maybe you've never been to a church in your life and maybe you just heard at least I'm going to get a $25 gift card to Publix and so I'm going to show up and just see what happens. Maybe that's you. I don't, I don't know your story. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you once attended church and, and you grew to hate the church. You grew to hate the people of the church and you said you would never go back to church but you heard that they're giving away TV and so you thought, well, I might go just this once. I don't know your story. I don't know why you're here. Let me just share with you briefly the, the story of Easter. God loved this world so much. And he saw so much pain and so much devastation and so much what the Bible calls sin, which means we live our lives outside of God's plan for us. And he saw how terrible a condition that was that he, he decided that rules and regulations wouldn't make people righteous. And so he sent his only son, Jesus, from heaven to this earth. He was born as a baby to a, a girl named Mary. She was a virgin. She had never slept with the man she was engaged to be married to. And he had some problems with her being pregnant at first. But an angel spoke to him and said that it was legit. So he just hung out for the ride. She has a baby of all places in a manger. The son of God born in a, main, in a stable, in a barn around animals because there wasn't room for them in an inn when they went for a census at Joseph's hometown in Bethlehem. He grew up the son of a carpenter, learned the trade of a carpenter, didn't have a whole lot, most scholars believe. And for 30 years, he lived a life on this earth preparing to do what God had called him to do. And when he was about the age of 30, he began what the Bible classifies as a ministry period for three years where he walked this earth and he taught people the things of God and he performed miracles and supernatural feats and he healed blinded eyes and, and he made lame people walk. Uh, there's recorded uh, shriveled hands that hands grew 
on limbs of people. I mean, he just did miraculous things and people followed him. He, he took a handful of fish and a few loaves of bread and he fed 5,000 people with it. I mean, he did incredible things and people began to follow him. He had a, a close group of followers that he called his disciples and they went with him everywhere that he went and they, he trained them and he taught them the ways of God. And at the end of his 33rd year, somewhere about that time, he had a final meal with those disciples. It's called the Last Supper in Scripture. And he shared with those 12 men that he was getting ready to leave them. And the place that he was going, they couldn't go with him, and they argued about it. And he began to say, some of you will betray me, and, and the one that would betray him said, I'll never betray you, I'll go with you to the death. And ultimately, from that point, he went into a process where he was arrested and accused of things that he never did. He was mistreated. He was abused. He was taken by the Romans. He was put on trial unfairly. He was condemned unfairly. And ultimately, he was executed, not because of the things that he was accused of, but because he loved you and because he loved me. So he was the son of God. And he had all the power within him to escape death. But he chose, because he loved you, to pay a price for the sins and the evil in this world that you and I would commit. He loved us that much. He died on a cross. And those 12 followers who claimed to go with him everywhere saw the one that they admired, saw the one that they loved, saw the one that they looked up to, hanging dead on a cross, pulled down and put into an empty tomb and a stone rolled away and it seemed as if the story was over. And everything that they had imagined and hoped for, all the dreams that they had of following Jesus, they thought that he would rule the earth politically, that he would be an earthly king, that nations would follow him and he would change the world and they were excited about that and it seemed like everything was pulled out from under their feet. All hope was lost. The Bible even tells us that some of the disciples went back to their former way of life in which they lived before they began to follow Jesus. Some were fishermen and they began to fish again because they gave up on the life that they had with Jesus because they thought that it was over. There was defeat. There was death. The beauty of Easter is that the story doesn't end there. If it ended there, let's be honest, it's a good story. It, let's be honest, if it ends there, it's a story worth telling. It's a man that loved you enough, that loved me enough, that loved humankind enough that he would bear the penalty for all of our sins, which the Bible describes to be death. He would bear it for us and he would die an inhumane death because he loved you. And he's put into a tomb and we close the book and we say, wow, that's a great story. I can't believe that he would do that for me. But it doesn't end there. Because on the third day, Jesus Christ, after giving his life for you and for me, was resurrected. He came to life again. And he came forth out of the tomb, and for 40 days he began to reveal himself to people here on this earth, his closest followers. And then on the 40th day, after he resurrected, he ascended into heaven, literally before their eyes. He was raised up into the skies. 
And he gave us charge to continue his mission here on the earth that he began. Now, if the, if the tomb was the end of the story, it's a story worth telling. But when a man like Jesus, the Son of God, conquers death, it's an undeniable story. It's a story worth embracing and not just listening to. It's a story worth giving your life to, knowing that you can follow someone who can conquer the thing, the thing that devastates all of humankind at the end of our lives. That's death. Have you ever thought about where you're headed in life? Have you ever thought about where you're going? I don't, I don't mean to be pessimistic, and I don't mean to depress you, but can I just be honest and blunt with you? Like the end of your story is death. And it doesn't matter how much money you've made. It doesn't matter how famous you are or how many people follow you on Twitter. It doesn't matter how many likes you get on posts on Facebook. It's really, it doesn't matter because there's coming a day where you're going to die. That's where you're headed. That's where I'm headed. And beyond death, there's hope for us if we can embrace a simple truth that changes everything, which I believe it does. Let me read a couple of verses in the Bible that I think give us more hope this Easter than, than we maybe expected when we came here today. There was a man in Scripture, his name was Paul. And Paul used to torture Christians. He hated Christians. He imprisoned them. He was witness to, to Christians who were put to death. He traveled from city to city searching out Christians so that he could eliminate them because they threatened the Jewish faith. They were gaining more and more traction, and that was his mission in life was to suppress the Christians. And on a road to a place called Damascus, he was blinded by a great light, and there Jesus revealed himself to this man whose name actually was Saul at the time. And he was blinded and taken into a city. A man named Ananias prayed for him, and he received his sight again, and he placed his faith in Jesus, and Saul's name was changed to Paul. And he went from persecuting Christians, trying to eliminate Christians, to carrying the message of Christians and being the greatest leader, potentially, in all of the Bible. And so he went around to different cities, and he started churches, and and, and he wrote letters to these churches to communicate with them. And one of the letters he wrote was to a church in a city called Ephesus. And it's, the, it's a book of the Bible that, that we've recorded called Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter number 1, verses 18 through 20, these are the words of Paul to the church at Ephesus. It's a prayer that he prays for them. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Don't you want to know that there's hope for you in life? And Paul's words for you and for me today is that he prays that we would know the hope to which he has called us. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great power for us who believe. I want you to think for a minute. Whose power do you live your life in? I would say the average person would say that they live their life in their own power. That they try their hardest to get ahead in life. That they, that they try their best to fight for the things that, that they value. To fight for the people they love. They do the best they can. They do all they can to make things happen in life. They want to get ahead. They want to be ambitious. They have goals set for themselves. They walk through life in their own power. 
But Paul says that there's an incomparably great power for those who believe in him. And he describes that power. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. The power that Paul says we have available to us is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a lot of power. When I think of living my life in my own power and in my own strength and doing what I can in this life, it pales in comparison to the power of someone who was raised from the dead on their own. I think I would rather live in that power. I think that I would be better served to have a power in which I stand that's not my own, it's not limited to my own abilities or talents or strengths or comprehension or knowledge, but it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and the greatest event in all of history that changed the course of all mankind. Did you know that that power is available for you? Have you ever heard that? Maybe you've never heard that. He goes on in Romans chapter 8. Paul again writes a letter to a different group of people in Rome. And he says in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Did you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, that inside of you lives the same power that raised Christ from the dead? That's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that we can live life standing in the power of one who raised from the dead. It's unbelievable. But here's, here's the danger in the church thing. I know many of you may be here and you might be skeptical. You're just a bunch of people who have this religion as a crutch to make you feel good through hard times. You don't like church people. You don't like me just looking at me. I get it. It's okay. But, but here's the great danger in what you believe about church, church people, religion, Christianity, It's the difference between people who have a Good Friday faith versus people who have an Easter faith. And let me, let me describe what that means. Good Friday, a couple of days ago, some of you may have been off work. Good Friday is a day that we reflect on the death of Jesus on the cross. His incredible sacrifice for us. Some of you may have gone to a Good Friday service at a church somewhere in the area. And potentially in that Good Friday service that would have been somewhat reflective, it would have been somewhat reverent, you would have been reflecting on a tragic event in the life of Jesus Christ. You would probably serve communion as you remembered the sacrifice of Jesus for you. It's incredible. No event like the cross changes humanity like the cross did. It's an unbelievable event, but I'm just afraid that so many people have a Good Friday faith that stops there, that believes that Jesus died for them, and they accept that. It's a great story. I believe it. I believe it's true. I believe he did. I live in the South. I've heard it my whole life. I believe that Jesus died for me. That's great. It's a good story, and, it, and it's worth believing. But the story doesn't end there. And three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, and and there's a difference from just believing that Jesus loved you enough to die for you to believing that 
he rose from the grave and the same power that resurrected Jesus is available to live in you. You live differently. When you, when you move from just saying, I believe the story, it's okay, to, to I'm standing in the strength and the power of a Savior who loved me enough to give his life for me, but it didn't stop there. He rose from the dead, proving that defeat is not the final outcome for those who follow him. I don't, I don't know if you believe that. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope I'm communicating clearly that you're always going to face defeat in your life. You're always going to face circumstances and situations and events that, that bring you down, that are tragic even, that make you feel defeated. And if we're being honest in this room together, there's probably some of us who live what we would call defeated lives. We may feel like failures. We may have had failed relationships. We've had people close to us who have passed away. We don't understand why they passed away. It didn't seem fair. It didn't seem like it would be the right thing to do. They were good people, whatever that looks like. We've had, we've had financial failures in this room. You took a risk. You had a dream. You started a business. You took a position. You got a promotion. And it didn't work out like you thought. You lost a job. The business didn't make it. Maybe you had to file bankruptcy. You had to start from scratch. Everything was taken from you, and you felt like you couldn't even provide for your family at times. You've lost things. You've lost people that are dear to you. You've lost things that are important to you. You've lost abilities to do the things you once did. And because of that, you feel like a failure and defeated. And you go through life with this mentality that just says, I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up to so-and-so. And you've accepted that lifestyle. It's tragic. It's tragic. It's unbelievably tragic because what you're doing is you're allowing your circumstances in this life to dictate where you're headed. You're allowing the circumstances in this life to change the trajectory of, of where you're going. And you've accepted defeat as a way of life and you've just tried to, to hunker down and protect yourself against more defeat. You've just tried to shield things. You're not walking in victory. You don't have a peace in life. You don't enjoy life at all. There's no joy in your heart. You don't seem happy. You're always snapping at people. You're frustrated with people. Everyone gets on your nerves. We've all been there. Let's be honest. You feel defeated. I just came to tell you today, on this Easter Sunday, that there is a power that you can live your life in that is the exact same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That in the face of any adversity you'll face, you'll be able to hold your head high and walk forward victorious, knowing that the circumstances of this life don't dictate where you're going in this life. I love sports. I played sports growing up, and one of the things that I've always hated about sports is seeing a team or a person win when rules were violated that were clearly stated. Whether they cheated or whether an umpire or a referee missed a call, got a call wrong, 
and someone wins as a result. Nothing, nothing makes me more angry than to see a person or a team win and celebrate when they deserved to be beaten, when they deserved to lose. So there's been lots of controversy in sports now that there's instant replay and they actually stop the game and slow down the game enough to go and look at close calls to make sure they got things right. I'm a fan in most instances because what I love most is knowing that the truth prevailed. So in the NFL, if you're a football fan, you'll know that the coaches now stand on the sidelines with the red flag. And if there's a couple of times during the game where they feel as if a referee missed a call, made the wrong call, uh, awarded a team something that they didn't deserve or took something from them that they felt like they deserved, they could take that red flag and throw it on the field and it basically stops the game and the referees say, what would you like for us to look at? And they say, I think that he was past the line of scrimmage when he threw the ball. So that touchdown shouldn't count. I think that he stepped out of bounds when he was running on the sideline, so there's no way that they should get those six points. I think that you should bring it back. Go and look at it. And what they'll do is they'll send it up to a referee that's up in a box, and he has access to technology that lets him watch that play. And he can watch that play in different speeds, and he can watch that play from different angles. And at the end of that, there's either clear evidence that the call was missed and it's, it's overturned or there's not clear evidence and the call stands. But they always come back and they give a verdict and they say, we've looked at it from a different angle and what I love, I love seeing injustices corrected. I love it. I love when a call was missed and they were, they were diligent enough to find the truth and they changed the outcome of that play and sometimes the outcome of the game to make sure that the right people got the right things. And here's what I wish for you, and here's, here's what I hope to stand for in my life, is that we would live lives with red flags, that when life happens and things go bad and we feel defeated, that we choose to take a red flag and throw it out and say, no, you missed it. It's not right. I don't care what it looked like to you. I'm going to choose to look at it from a different angle, and I'm going to choose to approach it from a different angle viewpoint and vantage point because I believe that no matter what really happened there that there's something different going on you know there's there's people in this room that have lost loved ones recently it doesn't seem fair but somehow they walk with their head high they have a peace through the difficult situations I can't explain to you the power that's available to you. You just have to experience it for yourself. And you have to be willing to say, I'm not going to accept a lifestyle that's dictated by this world that's full of evil. It's always constantly going to bring me down. But I want to live my life differently. And I want to see things the way God sees things. And I don't always understand why he does the things that he does. But I choose to believe that he's got power enough to resurrect from the dead. I believe he's got power enough for me to stand in his truth and believe that he offers something greater than the feet that I'm feeling. I'm going to ask our band to come. We're going to sing a song. And let me just kind of, let me just kind of tell you what the next few moments are going to look like. There's nothing 
crazy, super spiritual weird that's about to happen. I'm not going to bring out any stakes and start passing them around or anything like that. Don't get nervous. I know sometimes when a pastor starts like getting to this point of a message, people start to get like tense. What's he going to ask me to do? What's he going to make me do? Well, let me tell you what's about to happen. We're going we're gonna, to, they're going to lead a song and the lyrics of the song just reinforces this scripture. Same power that conquered the grave lives in me, lives in me. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. It's a simple song. It's not a lot of words to it. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself while they sing this song, is that true for me? Does the same power that conquered the grave live in me? Or is it just something I've heard and believe or chosen not to believe? And I want you to examine your life. I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to reflect on the decisions that you've made. I want you to reflect on the circumstances in your life. And I just want you to ask yourself, can I claim that to be true for myself? Do I walk in victory knowing that no matter what happens around me doesn't affect the power that I walk in and the ability that I have to get through difficult situations? Or am I living a defeated life? See, it looked as though Jesus was defeated, but he was undefeated on the third day. He was not defeated. He was was resurrected. He conquered death. What it appeared to be was something completely different. There's reality for your life that you can stand in on this Easter Sunday that will give you a peace, that will give you a hope, that will give you a power to live life differently the way God intended you to. So as they sing this song, feel free just to sit and reflect. Some of you may be moved and want to stand. You can just kind of let this moment be yours between you and God and just reflect. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to challenge you. There were probably some of you in the room that when that song was sung, you just, you just wanted to stand and shout. I mean, it just it resonated because it's true for you. Because you know that the same power, and you might not always stand in that power, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The love that rescued the earth, it lives in you. But others of you, if you're being honest, you would have to say, I don't know that power. I'm not familiar with a power that's strong enough to conquer the grave. I can't even get along with my family. I can't even handle my finances. I can't even keep that job. My relationships just fall apart. I don't know a power that can conquer the grave. I don't know a power that can conquer myself. And in those moments while we were singing that song together, you began to feel something on the inside that that said, I want that. I want that for me. And here's the great news for you. That power, that reality, it's available for you this morning. You just have to receive it. You just have to accept it. In just a few minutes, we're going to give away some incredible gifts, and you're not going to do anything to earn those gifts. And the same is true for the power that we're talking about this morning. There's nothing you can actually do to earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't say the right things. You can't read enough Bible. You can't say enough prayers. 
You can't go to church enough. You can't be religious enough. There's nothing you can do. Good deeds, it's not going to give you that power. The only thing that you can do is receive and accept the free gift of salvation. So here's what we're going to do. If that's you, you would say, you're speaking to me, man. I, I get you. I'm with you. I'm tired of living this defeated life, and I want to walk in a new path. I want to stand in a power that I know that even death can't hold up to, which is actually true because when you do die one day, I don't know if you know this, but you're going to spend eternity somewhere, which means you're going to live forever somewhere. And you got two options. Option A is you walk in the power of Christ, which makes life so much better here on earth. And as soon as death comes and you cross over in eternity, you get to go into the presence of God. You get to go to heaven. You get to spend eternity with him. The opposite is true as well. You can stand in your own power. You can face defeat on your own. And when you cross from life to death, you're going to spend eternity separated from that God that loved you enough to die for you. And you're going to be in a place that's physically called hell. And this morning, you have an opportunity to receive, to accept, to place your faith in a gift that can change everything for you. I want you to know this before I give you this opportunity to make a decision in just a moment. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you if you want to place your faith in Jesus, if you want to accept that gift, if you want to stand in his power. You've never done that before. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And here's what's going to happen. People aren't going to look at you and say, I can't believe, like, I thought that you were a good person or... No one's not going to come give you a microphone and ask you to tell your story. No one's going to embarrass you or point you out. What's going to happen is, first of all, you're not going to be by yourself. You're going to see that other people across this room are going to stand with you and embrace the same power that you're embracing. But there's going to be people that begin to celebrate because we're a church that's foolish enough to believe that what God's done for us, imperfect people, myself at the front of the line, who have found hope in Jesus, who have found satisfaction in Christ, who have endured the hardships of life because of the power that he's made available to us, are going to begin to celebrate the decision that you're about to make. No one's going to point out to you, and it's not going to feel awkward, but it's going to be a huge party and a celebration because that's what Easter's all about. So I'm going to count to three, and, and if that's you, don't look around. Don't, don't wait to see if someone moves before you. This is your moment between you and God to stand in that power courageously and boldly and say, today, that's me. I want to place my faith in Jesus. I want to stop living in my own power and start living in the power of Christ that's made available to me. I want Christ to do for me what I can't do for myself, and that's called salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And today, that's your reality. You're going to be saved. You're going to be rescued from a destructive, defeated life because you accepted that gift. So when I count to three, don't look around. Just stand to your feet and we're going to celebrate with you together all over this room. One, two, three. Right now, just stand to your feet. Incredible. Incredible. Man, that's incredible. Stay standing with me, please. Who else? Anybody else? There you go. 
Absolutely awesome. Wow. Wow. Stay standing with me. I want, I, want to, I want to talk to you for just a moment. Paul, in a different place, he describes what's just happened in your life as you being raised from death to life. See, the problem is, it's not that we were bad people and God wants us to be good, but it's that we were dead people and he wants us to be alive in him. That's what's happening in your life right now. And I just want to help lead you in a prayer. A prayer just to solidify the decision that you're making to receive Jesus as your Savior. And so I'm going to ask you if you're standing, or maybe you're like, I just didn't feel comfortable standing for whatever reason, but maybe you want to stand while we're praying, or maybe you just want to say the prayer while you're seated. Whatever that looks like for you, would you just, you don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to, just in your mind, just pray this prayer as a way to solidify the decision that you're making to accept Christ and his sacrifice for you. Pray this after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm tired of living in my own power. I give my life to you, and I accept the gift of Jesus who died for me. Please forgive all my sins and make me righteous. I want to stand in your power. Thank you for saving me. I love you, and I commit to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Can we celebrate with them one more time? Wow.